0: Episode 72 of the Sources Say Podcast, your go-to Kentucky basketball and recruiting podcast on the Growing KSR Podcast Network. I am your host, Jack Pilgrim of Kentucky Sports Radio, and today we are excited to have a a special edition of the Sources Say Podcast. Sean Smith and I, as promised, are down in Starkville, Mississippi to preview, to prepare for Kentucky's much-awaited sec opener sean smith how are you
1: i'm great jack yeah we're we're sitting downstairs at the hotel here and i just told you let's let's go court go record an episode of sources say so this is kind of a special edition of sources say just kind of out of nowhere we don't even have a script jack we're literally just going to sit down and talk about it because uh Kentucky needs a win. Let's just put it that way.
0: Yeah, so this does not replace our typical post-game episode that we usually do. We will still have our uh, recap. Hopefully it will be a positive one because, Sean, UK's desperate at this point. They, they need a win more than the air I breathe right now.
1: Kentucky needs 2021 to kind of heal some old things that have been going on. Uh, 2021 has to be better. Uh, to me, that's the thing that I'd be looking at. You know, just a New Year's resolution. Do something better. Be better than what you were in 2020. And what perfect place to do it than a place where John Calipari has not lost against a team that he has not lost to since he became the head coach of Kentucky. How crazy is that, that we're now this far into John Calipari's time at, at UK? And I don't want to jinx him because I've been saying this every single year. Yeah, This is the one program, Jack, that has not beaten Cal since he's been at Kentucky. Every other SEC program has beaten him at least once. I don't want to, I'm not jinxing that because I've literally said that the last three years. I'm saying this is in a, in a confidence thing for Cal going into this game. I said it to, against Louisville, but this is a game that Kentucky has to have. They can get some momentum, get a game against Vanderbilt at home. They just need something good to go their way, especially with these long week layoffs. I mean, it's been seven days between every single game now for a month. They need a win.
0: Yeah, we're past jinxes. We're past – you know, hopefully we don't put a bat some bad juju on. Like it, Cal. Th- we are in must-win terri- ter- territory, unlike anything we've seen under Calipari in, in over the last ten years. We, I mean, we, the, everybody knows that that UK's one in seven, one in six start is the worst since 1926, 27 season with Basil Hayden as the head coach. Like. We are well beyond the woulda, coulda, shoulda stuff. This is must-win territory if they want any chance of salvaging this season at all. Yeah. Last week
1: when they lost to Louisville, that was the first time that I didn't have to write that it was going back 15 years. Yeah. Like it started, what, the 80s, and then it went to like the end. It just kept going. And now we're in a territory to where they have to be really, really bad to surpass what that was. Yeah. So, it's just one of those things, Jack, that I, just, I look at this, and, I mean, they're facing a program who – Ben Howland needs this win. Like, yeah. he needs it almost as badly as Kentucky needs to get out of this slump because Ben Howland kind of needs something to hang his hat on. And I, this is the win, right? Like yeah. get a win against Kentucky. <laughs> uh, looking at the some of the notes here, Mississippi State, fourth most wins in the SEC since 2017-18. They've won 74 games. Auburn 87 Kentucky 82 Tennessee 81 This has been a program for the last few years. It's been one of the better programs in the league. Yeah. Still haven't beaten Kentucky. So if you can't beat Kentucky in a year like this, what do you do? If you're Mississippi State. So there's there's a pre- to me there's pressure on both ends here. That's what makes it a little bit of an intriguing game. Kentucky opened as a 1 point favorite right. tonight. Uh, I think that I think this will be a close game tomorrow. It,
0: we're we're obviously going to jump into the X's and, X's and O's of this and and you know break down what what this game means for both programs and you know kind of the the specifics of it all. Uh, but Sean, I want to ask you about the lead up to this game. Um, this week has been one that I will remember for a long time in terms of uh, you know the, the so last week so it was Saturday UK loses to Louisville. And almost immediately afterward, there is there's there are rumors and, and rumblings about a potential new addition to the schedule. Uh, Sean, w- it was pretty you know pretty set in stone that that UK was going to play Hartford at one point. Uh, we you said this on on this show last week that it was about as much of a done deal as you could possibly get. Uh, so that happens. UK kind of decides okay. I guess it was both sides, that Hartford was going to play three games in three days. Uh, you know, they were they played Sunday, they played Monday, and they were going to play Tuesday. They kind of discussed behind the scenes, okay, well maybe let's push this to Wednesday, give it three games in four days. But even that kind of felt with the testing protocols and, and all that, it just didn't feel like a, a reasonable thing for either side to try to well, fit in.
1: Well, here's the deal. You know, I, I said that to you uh, and David last Saturday night and then I said it on other platforms as well, Kentucky was going to play Hartford. Yeah. And it was going to start out as Tuesday night, and then by Sunday morning I told you that it was going to be Wednesday night. And Kentucky was – this is how close Kentucky was to playing Hartford. It was a push of a button to send it out to all media that Kentucky was going to be playing Hartford Wednesday night. Everything was ready to roll, Jack. Uh, I think we were an inch away from being able to apply for credentials So it was it was a done deal, and then I think logistics and things with their schedule. I think that's what backfired. Which Kentucky did get a midweek game against Transy, but it wasn't a public game. I still was under the uh, impression I think that Kentucky needed a midweek game, honestly, just something to get some momentum. And I mean, even if they did that in that scrimmage, they did it. But did that game count
0: towards their season total against Transy? So my understanding is that yes, it does count, but. They are still looking to add that Detroit Mercy game to the schedule, uh, so I, I, I'm, I'm still confused of, of how everything's going to unfold, and when it is, because UK is still looking to play Detroit Mercy. That South Carolina game, as of this, as of right this second, SEC has said it is postponed, and we are hoping to reschedule that at some it point. Kinda has so, to be played, right? I mean, I you mean, would think, yeah,
1: it's mean, elite game. Uh, I talked to Dallin Cuff of ESPN. I had him on Kentucky Daily this week, and, and he really surprised me, Jack, because he didn't hesitate in saying that he believes Kentucky is going to make the NCAA tournament. really caught me by surprise because who can really say that right now, that you can just yeah. confidently say that Kentucky's an NCAA tournament team? They're one and six. They don't have anything on their resume. Uh, tomorrow's not a resume-building win if not, they beat yeah. Mississippi State, but it's that's the thing right now is – are we going off resume building wins? Or are we just going off wins? Because if this is a team that just needs wins, just go beat up on an SEC that's not supposed to be that good. Yeah. Because honestly, that's what they need. I said it the other day. I think they need to go thirteen and five in league play to kind of comfortably be in that range to where it's Kentucky. It's a pandemic year. The name Kentucky is going to hold some weight, regardless of what they've done in the non conference. If they can just, to me, NCAA tournament has a lot of things to it. Your overall body of work how you look at the end of the year, and your prestige. I still think that Kentucky, carrying Kentucky, and if they play well in January, February, early March, can kind of overcome some of this stuff. But they've got to get it going collectively. And if Transylvania, playing them wherever that game was played, if it's Joe Joecraft center, which I'm assuming it – I
0: think um, Jerry Tipton reported that it was at Rupp. Okay. It was a real, it, real feeling game. That's where it needed to be. If, yeah. they, if you're going to play it, play it in the building that you play in. And
1: I, I agree with that. And – and there was a lot coming out of that, Jack, and uh a lot of mixed stuff, a lot of things, you know, about whether Dante <laughs> Allen hit seven threes, which I had heard Wednesday night that he did
0: hit seven threes, but I was told seven of eleven. So. I confirmed those those numbers that you heard. I heard those exact numbers that seven eleven of, of, of eleven. I actually heard he went over two in the first half, yeah. struggled defensively, had had some some pretty prominent mistakes early on, really turned it up in the second half. It's been kind of a media circus yeah, trying to, to trying to figure out what he did, the, you know those numbers. And again, I think that's th- that's the territory that that you get and that you have to to come come into when you have a secret scrimmage like that. You're gonna get dumb rumors, and you're gonna get oh, I heard this guy was good. Well, no, I heard this guy was good, but maybe I heard this guy was better. That's that's the issue with these secret scrimmages. And that's kind of why me personally, if you were able to work out a game with Hartford and, and due to NCAA rules, uh, there were, there was a lot of chatter about Bellerman opening up as a very real possibility. Um, in fact, like Bellerman reached out to UK to see if, if that was a possibility and UK was not legally allowed to by NCAA rules because um you have to play somebody that was in the original multi-team event to start the year. If you are going to add new games to the schedule or readjust yeah. or shuffle things around, and and that's where I got Hartford at from the beginning too, and
1: then or Detroit Mercy as as Cal confirmed. And then, sure as well. enough, I started. You know, I was digging some Saturday night, and then found out that Hartford was the team, and which would have made sense. I mean, it made perfect sense to play Hartford uh but it didn't happen so now you jump right into sec play uh they just need to play this this saturday to saturday thing it it, it, ha- it ends this week hopefully after tomorrow they'll get to play vandy on tuesday night. i think this team just needs to play they need some consistency this is usually a sport jack to where if you have a bad moment the beauty about college basketball or basketball in general in the nba you can forget about it the next night if you have a, a back-to-back or College basketball, you got a couple of days and you get to play again. Mm-hmm. This team has literally been having bad moment after bad moment and then having to sit on it for seven days. That's hard. It is. And I think that's a thing that's weighing on these kids is when especially when you're that age and I mean your mind and stuff and the way I mean, to me this is a mental thing. Right now that's becoming – that's just completely overwhelmed a lot of these guys on this team. You know, we are here in Starkville. We are in the exact same hotel as the team. We didn't plan that. <laughs> just pulled in, literally got here at the same time. And I think we can confirm, Jack, that every
0: single player made the trip from – We, I can, saw everyone. We can confirm a lot of things. So, we confirm that everybody is here. We confirm that Terrence Clark is in a boot. So – uh, I, I know that Cal kind of hinted at slash, you know, kind of told everybody that there was one person on the team that is still dealing with an injury. He, somebody asked Cal about the Dante Allen situation and whether or not he was going to get his opportunity to shine. And Cal basically said, well, actually I told him yesterday that he needs to be ready because there's one person that on, on the team that's still – dealing with an injury and because he's still going through that Dante is is going to be kind of thrown into the fire with that and putting two and two together Terrence Clark was the one you know Keon Brooks is the is the guy that we know is out has been out will be out he's here as well um You know, Cameron Fletcher has been in and out of the program, but he's here. We saw him tonight as well. The only other guy that's even up for debate right now is Terrence Clark, and that's something Cal Cal hinted at earlier this week.
1: And I will say this about his injury. Here's the deal, Jack. UK didn't know that we were staying at this hotel. And him having the boot on, it's not just for pictures. It's not just, you know, for whatever – he's hurt. Like, he, yeah. it's whatever he did to his ankle against Carolina there, or even earlier in the year. I know there was some uh, going to Notre Dame, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but then he tweaked it again out there against North Carolina. I mean, obviously, whatever it is, it's it's bothering him. And it's hindering him. And I think that kind of led to some of his, you know, play or lack thereof against Louisville. Hopefully he's 100% able to go tomorrow. We don't, we don't know yet. Like, we may get to the arena tomorrow and him not go. Like – Given the way Cal talked this week, that yeah. he's not going to do that anymore. Because you can't. Especially right now they need five healthy dudes on the floor. Right. Because you've got to just get a win. You can't have a guy out there 70%, 75%, probably even 80% right now. Uh, so you got to do what's in the best interest for the team. And right now with Terrence Clark, and like you said, he's still in a boot. Uh, we do have uh, – Tomorrow could be a very good episode if some things play out. I'm, I'm not going to say anything. It's not bad things. It's actually good great things. things. Great, great things. Great things. You need a certain someone to go in and have a good day tomorrow. Because if they do, we're not going to put that. St- we're not going to say
0: what we know right now or what we've seen with our own two eyes. We will confirm it either way. It, we will. We we want to l- let people know this, but it had us coming up to the hotel room and and talking and and a little bit giddy about. Something we saw that that made us obviously I'll s- excited.
1: I'll say this. A certain someone's prepared to play tomorrow.
0: I think that's very fair to say. It is it is. And they're and
1: not from we talking, just from what we saw with our own two eyes, Jack, uh if I were a coach and I were to see that, that would be sign number one. I mean who knows what these guys are doing in their rooms, but what I saw would tells me everything I need to know about how this situation, about how this how this kid is handled the situation, and in a very positive light. We won't say it, but surely you can read between the lines of who we're talking about. Uh, probably made five threes walking across the parking lot to dinner. But, no. Uh, tomorrow could be a big day, and hopefully it is. Uh, I think I do think Dante Allen will get some minutes tomorrow, Jack, considering that Cal said what he said on the radio show Monday night. You don't say those things and then not give him an opportunity. And I think tomorrow will be his opportunity. I just, I just hope that and here's – let's do realistic expectations for Don Right, and I think let's that's say very he did, important. Let's say he did hit seven of 11 threes, which is what we confirm with people. Don't expect him to go in and be Steph Curry tomorrow. Yeah. That's not who – that's – Right. No, just go in, let him play. If he – sure, we know there's some defensive issues there. We know there's some other issues there. But just let him be who he is. And here's the thing. If he plays a four-minute stretch and contributes, then Cal will feel more comfortable giving him another four-minute stretch at some point. Yeah. And if it's just seven or eight minutes tomorrow, Hey, it's a start. Let's just see what he does. Uh, can he help the team? Will he help the team? Maybe – let's say tomorrow maybe it's not his day. Does he get another opportunity? I just hope that he does something if he goes in that he can take it and build on it and then this team can build on it. Because, uh, I mean, honestly, Jack, do, does his teammates really know what Dante Allen can do? Like, Right. Do they, I mean, we've not got to see it yet.
0: So, we kind of touched on this last week. Um, you know, I've been doing some digging on both sides, on the Kentucky side and the Dante Allen side, um, it's pretty clear that the staff is high on Dante as a pure scorer, pure catch and shoot guy. But I think on their their end, there there have been some defensive worries, uh, you know, some turnover issues, you know, s- some some little things like that that has made the staff go just not yet we're very high on him we're excited about him but just not yet and on the Dante Allen side Sean we I said this on Kentucky Daily we have been very very close with you know Dante's family and and you know being you know staying in touch with them and kind of being updated they're in very high spirits about how things are going and they they hear the fans gripes and and Okay, let's be honest. Of course they want Dante to play. Of course, they think he can go in there and and make an immediate impact as a, as a scorer and, and as a shooter. We all do, but there's a there's a sense of 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 patience and understanding of the situation with Dante. They know that this is a long game. They trust, they they trust Cal, they trust the coaching staff. But they also see the numbers that UK is putting up right now. They're one of the worst teams in college basketball from from three. They're one of the worst shooting teams overall in in college basketball. Uh, I wrote a post on KSR. Uh, I wrote a post on on KSR earlier this week, basically breaking down the numbers. and it was, you know, I think like ten plus categories nationally in terms of of the war of like top 200 or like bottom, like, number 200 or lower in, in America, like, in, like, 10-plus categories. And and that includes, like, free-throw shooting, three-point shooting, field goal percentage, assist to turnover rate. Like, I mean, you just go down and, a list. It's a, it's everything. It's it, a broken broken offense it, right and, now. And you add in that they're dead
1: last in luck yeah, in Kempom. And then you throw in – and, and that's, that's a weird category. I mean, it, the fact that it's there. But it, luck is a part of this. Yeah. They've had bad luck. I mean – Look, Olivier Sars had two shots that looked good. If those two shots fall, it doesn't change the issues that Kentucky has. But that's the thing, though. The mind is such a powerful thing, Jack, that if they just can get a win, what does it do? Like, what does it do for you as a program if you can just get a win? Like, that, changing the thought process, that's the first step. you got to change the way you think. And I think that's the thing right now. But, I mean, you're going into a game tomorrow uh, – it's not like when you look at it on paper, it's not a marquee game because obviously right. Kentucky struggled. But this is a Mississippi State team that, you know, has one of the best duos in the SEC. I mean, they're the number, they're very two, they're the number two scoring duo in the SEC, uh, averaging 36.9. That's their backcourt. I mean, that's uh, D.J. Stewart and Iverson uh, Molinar, as I that Molinar, yeah. Uh, so those two, I mean, and then here's another note too, Jack, the longest active winning streak in the SEC right now. On at home,
0: 13 straight wins for Mississippi State at home, uh, and they are coming off of an, a, a a victory in Athens against an undefeated seven and O Georgia team,
1: and then a 13 game winning streak at home overall, which is the second longest active home winning streak in the country right now.
0: Yeah, and, and against well, Power Five schools. And what's so funny is yesterday or, or Thursday, by the time you guys are listening to this, I guess it'd be th- two, three days, whatever it is. Joel Justice and Isaiah Jackson—they were asked about, you know, what do you think about Mississippi State? What kind of worries you about them? You know, asking the ins and outs of that. And the very first thing both of them said is they're a very physical front court. They're—they're gonna, you know, be tough on the offensive glass. They're gonna be, you know, very physical, very gritty uh, in in the front court. And that's not even—they—they compared the situation to the North Carolina game. And if you remember that North Carolina game, everybody said going into it. The bigs are physical. They're going to try to out-tough you. They're going to get you know fight for tough rebounds, and they're going to try to foul you out very quickly. And that's exactly what happened. But North Carolina had a really poor young backcourt. It's it, it's almost you get the strong physical front court, but you're also getting a damn good backcourt as well. And that's kind of what has me a, a little bit worried. Well, when you look at this, this is, isn't
1: this exactly what Kentucky wants, and what Kentucky fans would love to see. Uh, So, Mississippi State has three players on this roster right now that last year, or as a freshman, averaged 5.9, 8.5, and 3.3. Those numbers now, to a sophomore jump, 18.7, 18.2, 13.1. Isn't that exactly what Kentucky fans are kind of hoping happens? Just develop. Uh, That's the thing. I mean, those were normal freshman numbers. But now you're looking at what that extra year in college basketball does for you. And there's a couple of guys on this roster right now, Jack. That you you have to kind of you feel confident and look that another year in this program, if they decide to do that, they can develop the same way that some of these other kids do. If those kids can do it in the SEC, why can't these kids at Kentucky that were highly recruited do the same thing? So you're you're looking at kind of I don't want to say Mississippi State's a blueprint program for what Kentucky wants to be, but if you want to look at some guys that did this as freshmen and now doing this as sophomores and down the line. Maybe maybe that's the normal production that a Kentucky freshman to a sophomore do. Look at Emmanuel quickly last year,
0: yeah. freshman to sophomore. It, it it's a big jump for a lot of these kids. Well, think of a guy like Devin Askew, and I said this on your podcast earlier today, the Kentucky Daily. Um, Devin Askew has a has a very strong Emmanuel quickly feel to him. Where Emmanuel, there were times his freshman year where he had zero dribble separation. He really struggled to get his shots off with the ball in his hand. And Cal had to put him off ball. Very similar situation to Devin, and and say, look, we got we we love what you bring as a shooter, but we got to figure out ways to get you open looks because right now you're not getting them. And think of the development and that that sophomore year jump. And and again, we're talking a. I'm just pulling these numbers off the top of my head. Five points per game, four point something points per game for as a freshman for Emmanuel to. 18, 17, 18 points per game. SEC Player of the Year. I I mean that—that's a jump that you just rarely see at that level. I mean, though, we're even though we're seeing that with the you know backcourt at, at Mississippi State, but still, that's something that Kentucky fans are kind of holding on to with Devin Askew and and even guys you know Lance Ware. Think of think think of some of the things that Lance Ware has done in very limited minutes, and, and where you're kind of like, okay. We see we we know that you're kind of struggling right now. We know that you're not bringing enough to the table right this second. I mean, he's still bringing a lot. I mean, shoot, think of how how impactful Lance Ware has been over the last several games. Massive for Kentucky, massive. But you look at Lance Ware as a guy like man by year two or year three. Oh, that's that's going yeah. to be a, a high. You know, Cameron Fletcher, another guy where you're like man, you you could just kind of see that that raw mould where you're just like man if cal can just mould him into that you know just just keep building and working at him and, and and kind of building him up to to reach that potential man year 2 year 3 just you know just a couple seasons down the road next season even this team has so much raw potential that can that can really turn things around but the question is right now how do you turn that raw potential future into putting wins on the table right this second. Yeah. That's the issue. Yep, it is. And uh, just tomorrow, I think my biggest
1: concern is does Kentucky get punked? Uh, there's, a, there's a possibility, Jack, that this that Mississippi State punks them. I mean, I'm talking yeah. on the from a physicality standpoint. When you have a front court and a team that can play as physical as Mississippi State does, but their backcourt is efficient, that's a recipe for disaster if Kentucky does not come to play tomorrow. I mean, just looking at numbers – uh, Mississippi State is seventh in college basketball in offensive rebound percentage. Yeah. I mean, 39.6%. Yeah. I mean, that, that will that will kill you. Like, if, if right. Kentucky does not clean up the defensive glass tomorrow, that's where Isaiah Jackson not getting in foul trouble is massive for this game. Olivier Saar has got to be able to play and be physical. Lance Ware is going to get some minutes tomorrow. I think Jacob Toppins is going to get some big minutes tomorrow. Those guys that have shown that they don't care to get dirty And get some big rebounds. Kentucky's going to need Lance Ware and Jacob Toppin tomorrow on the glass. Not necessarily as much on the offensive end. It's just clean up the glass. Because when you struggle to score the way Kentucky does, you've got to limit Mississippi State getting easy baskets. If not, you're going to find yourself in a hole again. And I just don't know, like, does Kentucky execute well enough? That's been the the word. When Joel talked to us yesterday, execution came out of his mouth probably 15 times in a five-minute interview execution, execution, execution. That's why they played Transy this week. Even at the end of that scrimmage, what'd they do? Worked on situational basketball and executing in situations because that's what they had to do. They had to br- You think maybe that's why they didn't play. It's because Cal knew that they needed to work on certain situations, and the only way you do that is to bring in someone else to where you can kind of say, hey, do this, play this for me. We'll work on situations. We'll do the same for you. Like, run some zone here. Run some men. Yeah. You can't dictate that if Hartford comes it to down, but you can right. dictate it if you do a close scrimmage
0: at Rupp Arena forever. How many hours they were there? We don't know how long that thing lasted. Yeah. So, although I, I the idea of a UK Hartford Tuesday night matchup, Cal stopping. All right, whoa, whoa, whoa. All right, everybody, hold on. Let's let's take a stop here. All right, guys, I want you to do this. I want you to do that. Uh, the the idea of Cal stopping a real life game and you know trying these situational things. I think I think that sounds fantastic, but yeah, I, I I get the frustration on both sides of UK needed a game. They needed to just get some wins. You know, you were talking earlier about you know uh, being a tournament team. How do how does UK fit into that puzzle right now? And part now. part of that puzzle is picking up wins. You can beat Transy by a hundred points and look so damn good against them from start to finish, but it doesn't count for a single thing. One win is one win. UK hasn't won since November 25th. They have to put wins on the table, and it has to start on Saturday against against Mississippi State. There's there's little there's there is no other option but for Kentucky to win. I I, I talked to somebody close to the program this week. You know, just just kind of about the overall pessimism and negativity in the fan base and kind of how it's – how it has impacted things both, you know, in the short-term and long-term, you know, short-term with this current team, long-term with recruiting and stuff like that, you know, is a really, really good conversation. And, you know, the the kind of overarching theme was we just got to win. I mean, we the, there is a sense of desperation where it's just like, look, we know things are just – Really freaking ugly right now. We know that one in six is one in six. We know that we're kind of a laughing stock of college basketball. Like they know that they they are well aware. You know, Cal puts on this face with the media, and you know tries to do the well. You know, come at me. Don't attack the kids. Come at me. You know, I you know call me the worst coach in college basketball. Everything's you know he, he he. you know, tries to tries to make light of most situations. And just, you know, he has that shtick and that persona that he has to maintain. But there is a real sense of desperation and just back against the wall. We got to put our fists up and do something. We just got to make something out of nothing right now if we want a chance this year. We might, you know, shoot, th- this season, you know, th- this might not be a, a – a team capable of making any real run, they you know it might not be that, but if but they they have to have some some sort of hope that that's even on the table. They have to have some sense ahead of looking at the NCAA tournament as a as a goal in their mind of okay, that's something we can strive for, and it starts it, it starts against Mississippi State. It, 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 you 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 have to win in Starkville. You just have to. There's no other option. You have to. And uh, the thing
1: too is. When you look at these numbers and you look at these stats and everything and me, me talking about offensive rebound percentage, the programs that are up there with them, Baylor ahead of them, North Carolina ahead of them. We heard the name North Carolina twice in the presser with Joel. Twice. Joel said it and Isaiah Jackson yes. said it, which has told me that the staff has said North Carolina Absolutely. to them in practice. Thought Just looking thing. at that, you know, Kentucky on the offensive glass against North Carolina, North Carolina had 15 offensive rebounds, 18 second chance points. Kentucky cannot let that number happen tomorrow. I mean, that's just something that I'm looking at here, just popping up in stats. I mean, Mississippi State also has uh, Molinar and Stewart are both two of the top ten most efficient offensive players among SEC players in Ken Palm. Uh, Molinar is number two with at 128 rating, and D.J. Stewart is number nine at 107. So you not only do you have the physicality, the, offensive re- the elite offensive rebounding team, but you have two guards that are efficient. That's a recipe for disaster if Kentucky cannot get some things figured out tomorrow. Uh, then two, what is it Cal says all the time about best teams? You usually have four or five guys that can go for 20 on right. it. Mississippi State's had three that's gone for 20-plus this season, three different players. So they've got big-time scores, big-time potential. It's a big-time test for Kentucky, but it's a chance to, to go in here tomorrow and kind of forget about 2020 and just they need a win. If they don't get a win at some point, what what are we, what's our topic? What what are, we, what are we doing this for? Yeah. Well, at some point it'll be they have to win the SEC tournament to get in. That's that's kind of the territory they're trending if they don't get something right because this schedule, just looking at it, Jack. I, I've talked about it. Even though uh, there's going to be some people in the stands tomorrow. Well, you had the number earlier. What about
0: 2,500 people? About 25, 25 percent uh, of like 10, 10,000 fans roughly in Humphrey, um, but about 2,500 will be there. Yeah. Well, just just looking at it. I mean,
1: it's a good thing they don't play Tennessee until February 6th. I mean, Tennessee is shown right now how they efficient good. they are. They look good. Uh, that's, I'm going to go ahead and go out and say that this is a better Tennessee team this year than what they have with Grant Williams and Admiral Schofield that year just because they have more collective pieces. Mm-hmm. They got better athletes, in my opinion, just overall. Ponds, SEC Defensive Player of the Year. Who's a
0: grown-ass man they, if I've ever seen one. They have
1: <laughs> some pieces. It's a good thing that Kentucky has another month before they have to play them, and they play them at are up arena first they just looking at the schedule. You start with Mississippi State. You got Vandy at home, Florida on the road, Alabama at Auburn, Georgia, LSU, Alabama again, Texas, Missouri, Tennessee. The whole Seth Davis thing. I keep coming back to it after North Carolina. He said, "Can stick around." Kentucky
0: schedule is about to get easier. Is it though? That's yeah. what I keep saying. Like, where where does it get easier? Yeah, the people fans hoping that. That they're looking at this Mississippi State team and said, Yeah They they lost a couple crappy teams They started the year 0-2 um, You know Haven't beaten anybody Just They go down a list and assume that this is going to be Okay well this is going to be an easy cakewalk Let's just get the second win of the season Let's keep moving That's not what's going to happen Georgia, this, this, Georgia probably felt the same way the this, other night This is a very good Mississippi State team Not elite I mean this is a very beatable Mississippi State it is. team It's a winnable game But it's not going to be a cakewalk, and I and Kentucky knows that, and that's why that's why they've hyped this up as a North Carolina level physicality. We got to go in there and fight and and throw that first punch and keep throwing those punches, or we're gonna get punched in the mouth and get punked in, in Starkville.
1: Here's the thing about this: Kentucky's one and six. You know how many of these schools in the SEC are looking at Kentucky as a one and sixteen right now? None. Zero. Right. It's Kentucky. It doesn't matter if they're zero and seven, zero and ten, one and eight. It it does not matter. It is Kentucky. Kentucky's coming to town. Record? Who cares? It's Kentucky, yeah. And that's the way that Mississippi State's viewing this thing. Kentucky, at some point, has to say we're Kentucky. We gotta attack this like we're Kentucky. You, nobody's feeling sorry for us right now. Kentucky is the talk of college basketball because they're one and six, and the sky's falling. They're being, I mean, it's been written about. It's been on Sports Center. ESPN is having – ESPN's getting so much social media engagement off Kentucky yeah. right now every time they lose. There's a picture of Coach Cal holding his face with his mask down, like just screaming. They're loving it. Change it. You've got to do so. – at some point you've got to be Kentucky. And I think that's the biggest thing right now is Kentucky has not been Kentucky all season. And they've got to find something, Jack. And it has to happen tomorrow. Whether Terrence Clark is out and not able to go, we don't know that. Somebody who steps up. Who steps up and say this is enough? We've got to do something because right now these guys—I mean, think about it. This is the longest streak. Uh, Corey Price had it up the other night. I think it'll be 35 or 36 days between two wins in a single season. That is a Gosh. UK record. They've not won a game since the night before Thanksgiving. That's the longest amount of days that they've gone in the single season with between two wins.
0: They need a win. All right, well, let's let's end it with this, Sean. Kentucky needs a win. They need one bad. How does how do they do it? How give me your recipe for success. Give me one or two points that if you were that coach, if you were Coach Cal in that locker room, going up to that whiteboard with your keys to the game. What are those keys to the game right now? If Kentucky does A, B, C, they pull out a win. What are those things?
1: Every time Cal goes into a locker room, he has his keys to a victory written in red in the top right corner of the dry race board, and I've I've seen it multiple times. I mean, it always has, you know, one more's assist uh, plus, you know, an advantage in the the rebounding category. I think those are things Kentucky has to do. When you have a team like uh, Mississippi State, you've got to limit them to one shot and done. You cannot give them second chance. Uh, Kentucky's backcourt has to be very good tomorrow. Has to. It, it has That, to. to me, that I'm talking B.J. Boston, Davion that they all have to collectively be good tomorrow. If Kentucky's backcourt get, gets outperformed, Kentucky doesn't win this game. Right. Uh, Isaiah Jackson has to stay out of foul trouble. I think it's it's That's more, to me, big. it's more vital for Isaiah Jackson to stay out of foul trouble than his Olivier Sarr. just because I think you need Jackson's ability to rebound. Mm-hmm. And some of the other things that he does, he impacts the game in so many more ways than just his offensive game. Olivier Sar has got to find the way to make some shots. They've got to go to him. They've got to establish something. Uh, does he hit that jumper early? Uh, those are some things that I'd be looking for. But the biggest thing that I'm looking at for looking at Jack is assist. Assist will climb when Kentucky starts shooting the ball better. Right now, those assists are going to be low because they don't make shots. I'm telling the you. The moment that they hit shots,
0: those assists will climb to 14, 15 a game. That quote from David last week had me dying. Where he was like, UK could have Magic Johnson, uh, John Stockton, and who is the third? He said, Magic Johnson, John, John Stockton, and Jason Kidd right now, and UK wouldn't have more than six assists a game. Because it's true. They just can't make shots. And, and you, you kind of took the majority of them. My, my – my two biggest keys to the game, my biggest takeaways going into this is UK knew what the game plan was going into a North Carolina game. They said, look, they will try to foul out your front court and they will try to do it early. They're physical. They're going to punch you in the mouth down low. You cannot give in to that. UK gave into it almost immediately. Uh, Isaiah Jackson and Olivier Saur both got into foul trouble very early. By the end of the game, I mean, I thought Riley Welch was about to have to start, you know, getting some minutes there at the end of that North Carolina game. They have to stay in the game. They can't. They can't fall. They can't play into the trap no. because that that is what Mississippi State is looking at. They're going look. I, I think I, I looked it up. I think they have. F- uh five six different pla six players that are six eight and taller and over 240 pounds something like that it, it, whatever whatever it is they are a big physical strong you know thick front court that will do whatever it takes to get uk's front court in, in foul trouble and if if it, it's like it's like blood in the water they if if they can get that done they will look at that and go all right we got them we're, we're, we're good I'm interested in seeing what
1: the rotations like tomorrow. I, I think that Jacob Toppin could be the first player off the bench. Wouldn't shock me at all. I think that's been kind hyping of him on that, and I'm actually ready to say that I think that he could he could help Kentucky tomorrow big time. I think that I don't want to say he's turned a corner, Jack, just because he'll, tomorrow will be the day he goes out and yeah, and okay. just kind of flops. But what I've seen from him the last two weeks, and then stepping into the game at Louisville, a big time game. I mean, that's, that's the biggest game on the schedule to yeah. this point is Louisville, and he, he didn't back down. I think that was telling, but I will say this. Kentucky is never going to be Kentucky until B.J. Boston is an efficient that, score. That was my takeaway number two. And that's what I think has to happen tomorrow. If B.J. goes for 20, and it can't be one of those ugly 20s. It can't be a game of 20 where he hits eight free throws and shoots 20% from the field. Kentucky needs B.J. Boston – to be B.J. Boston, the the B.J. Boston, Kentucky fans thought they were getting. Is is that in him, though? Is that a part of it, or was it a, or did we kind of just all feed this monster and it just be what it is, and he's not living up to that? We find out now. The calendars flipped to SEC play. Isaiah Jackson said it yesterday. He, they, he feels like Kentucky's going to surprise some people. He feels like they're ready for league play. Hey, we'll find out tomorrow, but I still think that the moment that B.J. Boston becomes an efficient scorer, this this thing flips a little bit for Kentucky offensively. Right now they're it's bad offense because they're dude that's supposed to be efficient. Not just him, a lot There's, of guys. It's it's a collective effort. But when it but it starts there to me with if if he gets going, I think everybody else it kind of just relaxes everybody and settles in because here's the thing. He's taking a ton of shots. You're taking that many shots,
0: you've got to be efficient. Starts and ends there. BJ Boston has to have that 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 welcome home game. He has to have that one game that that we look at and go all right that's that top 5 kid that, that UK signed he, he it's going to happen bj is so da- i i have i've been reaching out to so many people so many guys that i talked to during the recruiting process watched him in high school with me you know sitting in the stands with him I, i've talked to so many people and and have said what did we miss here what what are we missing here because we were sitting Sean, you and i were sitting in those stands together at Peach Jam at you know EYBL events at MBPA top. We were watching all of these games, watching the, his you know watching him on ESPN, ESPN two. We were all watching him and going, dude, that's a guarantee. That's a kid that is going to come in and he's a, a guarantee eighteen plus point per game score. He's just so he's way too damn talented not to. We're we're waiting for that we're waiting for that moment. He but, was making shots. He didn't yeah. just forget how to play basketball. No. BJ Boston is a damn good basketball player, still is. I don't care what what people say. Yes, he has been unplay I, I said this on the last last podcast. He has been unplayable at times yes. because of turnovers, because of bad shot selection. But on on his end, he's like, man, I know how good I can be. I know who I am as a basketball. I got to get out of the slump somehow. I, I I have to figure this out. So he's taking some bad shots and, and you know, kind of being a, a high a high shot number guy every single game because he's trying to break that slump. And I I'm hoping my hope is that once he kind of. Breaks out of that, he he stops going for the high shot numbers and starts looking more for efficiency, knowing that that he's not trying, he doesn't have to get those points, he doesn't have to keep, you know, get high shot numbers to match that point total like we have seen thus far. I hope that efficiency will start hitting here. Hopefully, hopefully, starting against Mississippi State. I mean, well, it just it just has to at this point.
1: Looking at his line against Louisville, real quick, he finished with 11 points. Finished with seven rebounds, which has been – I, mean, I think that's a part of his game when he becomes more efficient offensively. I mean, he, he rebounds his position. I, feel I like think he's been something. one of the best rebounders he that Kentucky's had. Uh, turnovers, he had two. Uh, but when you look at his shot percentage, I mean, three of 11. 0-3 three from three, but he was 5-5 five of five at the free throw line. You don't have that type of stroke at the charity stripe and not be able to hit it ever, elsewhere. He's just got to hit shots. Uh, the moment he hits shots, this game becomes much easier to him. That's That's the difference. When people ask me what was different about B.J. Boston when I watched him in Atlanta with Sharif Cooper and all those guys, he hit shots. I watched him stand there and just
0: cook people yeah. over and over again. Cooking. Like, destroying them. This is not a dude that – it was not a fluke. He did it all AAU season. He did it at every high-level event. And then he did it at Sierra Canyon with so many uh, – that's the thing that, that people need to remember. He was at a program with Bronny James – I, I remember. I, I think I said this on, on either last episode of the week or the one before. There was a game at that Hoop Hall Classic that he, that you walked in and it was the gym was packed from top to bottom. LeBron James showed up. It was a madhouse, absolutely nuts. And he walked in there with his headphones on. During pregame warm ups and tuned out all of the noise. And he went out there and and led, led, you know, I think think he finished with 20 something points and, you know, efficient day, had some uh, posterized somebody that day. He's a dude that is capable of thriving in that spotlight and thriving under pressure. He is built for this program. I I don't want people to, you know, I kind of talked about how he hyped up this, yeah, I'm going to get a film you know, bring a film crew around and, and make a movie because the season. You know, I, I kind of poked fun at that. But but make no mistake about it, B.J. Boston is the best raw talent Kentucky has on its roster, and it's not close. B.J. Boston is a consensus going into the season, was a consensus top five draft pick for a reason. Scouts didn't just make up how good he was. I mean, they, these guys that are that are making these, these mock drafts and, and, you know, the NBA personnel that are talking about this – in hyping B.J. Boston. They didn't just make it up. They saw it with their own two eyes. They know how good this kid is. There has just been a a disconnect from the time he left Sierra Canyon this offseason, which, you know, as far as we knew, he's he's out in, you know, L.A. working out with Devin Askew and, BJ, and, and, and Terrence Clark living together, having a good time, going to the gym every day, working out with Darren Collison, all that. There was something that happened once he got on campus where – some of that confidence that he had—the the one thing that everybody kind of looked at before he got here and kind of said, "Okay, that's that's his thing. He's he is a a high confidence. He knows that he's he knows how good he is." Type guy, and so there's just there's just been a disconnect from that moment until now. This, some of his confidence is shot, and he needs to get that back. And I, I something is telling me that when he finally starts making just a couple shots. when he, I thought it was going to be that, the end of the first half of the North Carolina game. He, he kind of hit that run where it was like, all right, okay, yeah. and then kind of s- slipped up a little bit in the second half. But long-term, he can be that guy still. I think the biggest thing
1: for B.J. Boston, to kind of flip the script, is that to me, I don't know if it's necessarily about hitting shots collectively over the entire period of a game. It's hitting the shot when you need to hit the shot. Absolutely. It's one of those shots – like if the game's close tomorrow, there needs to be a point under 10, under 12, where Kentucky's kind of in a possession and they need somebody to get a bucket and he pulls one of those threes or something and it goes in. Does that give him some confidence? That's the shot that he's missing right now. Uh, He's missing shots all across the game, but the ones that stand out to me were corner threes against North Carolina – some big shots against Louisville that he missed. Those are the shots that are standing out to me. That if he if he hits one of those things, maybe like I said, it goes back to changing the thought process. Once he hits one, he might think the next one's going in. Absolutely. It's just one of those things. This has to build some confidence. But when you look across the roster, before we wrap up here, I don't get caught up in the whole plus minus a ton. It's it's it's, it's the, I think so that's messy because right now stat out there, right now Kentucky only has two players that yeah. have a positive plus minus, and it's uh, Davion Mintz and Isaiah Jackson, which like. Yeah, Kind of stand out a little bit just because. But I, I, I feel like that it needs to be a collective effort tomorrow, but I, I think it's one of those days where we keep talking about Kentucky and, look, they were built to be stars. We can't just keep that, – that's not an unfair thing that we're saying. Yeah. That Terrence Clark, B.J. Boston, Olivier Sarr were talked about as stars. There was a reason for that. Yeah. They have to be that. And if they're not, this team's never going to reach what – a lot of people thought their potential and what their ceiling is. I still think this is a team that has a high ceiling. Now, does that translate to winning a title? I don't I don't know. We have to wait and let this thing play out. But as far as production and this team being the best version they can be, they need their stars. Every team has stars, even if it's a team full of role players. There's somebody on that team that's supposed to be the guy and the catalyst. Right, right now it's been Davion Mintz. Devin Askew, I do want to add, has got his assist-to-turnover ratio positive now. Yep. That is a big – Thing that I'm Huge. looking at that Huge. that's an improvement. He's playing better. Uh, a lot of guys are playing better, but right now they've got a, the guys that there's some guys that need to take a massive jump forward. And when those guys do that, this team will start winning basketball games. Will it be enough? Remains to be
0: seen. Amen. That's oh, it's 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 a big one. It's a very very big one.
1: And we're, and we're also. We we really enjoy doing this podcast. Yeah, like I want I want to say that like the joining sources say has been a blast. I've I've talked about to Jack the entire trip down to Mississippi State. Uh, just uh, I love the interaction with you all and on a different platform, and uh, I've really enjoyed being a part of this and this road trip. And I'm 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 excited to see what Kentucky can do. I know it, it's one and six. There's frustration, but 2021 brings about a new opportunity, and now you're in league play, and you get hopefully given COVID-19 and stuff, you get multiple opportunities. And uh, this is the team that just needs – they need some good fortune right now. Something good has to happen. Everybody deserves for something good to happen, happen yeah. to them. And right now, Kentucky definitely needs that luck category in Kim Pom to look the other way.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. And on that note, Sean, this week we jump to number 36 in America in basketball pro- podcasts. Number thirty six in America, we are by far the number one college basketball, like team-specific college basketball podcast in America. And it's not close. So, to our listeners, mm-hmm. to our loyal, loyal, loyal listeners that reach out to us, and vent to us, you're being heard. We appreciate you. We are getting through this together. We are, we are hoping for that good news and that good fortune against Mississippi State just as much as you guys are. So I hope when you guys listen to this, you feel that same passion, that, that same energy that you guys, when you're venting to, to your televisions and, and going, what the hell is happening? I hope you know that we are doing the exact same thing, trying to put together this puzzle piece, you know, th- this massive, confusing puzzle of a basketball team together we we are trying to put together those pieces together with you and we thank you for joining us f- along for that ride it, this has been okay. such a fun time uh, you know you you are the you guys are the reasons that we you know, want to go on these road trips together and go screw it. Let's drive to Starkville and you know stay two nights, and we're going to record two podcasts and do some Facebook lives and YouTube lives, whatever well, we need to do. You you guys are the reason that we do. Well, that. Well, here's the deal. I mean, Kentucky's
1: lost six straight basketball games, Jack, and, and you're doing things with sources say at a at a clip that nobody else is doing. And yeah. and that's the thing about it. It's because the people that listen to this show, they're passionate about it. They they love it, even when you don't agree with us. And we may say something that you're like, God, how can someone be so stupid? <laughs> uh, no, but uh, I know you guys have said that yeah, several, you've probably said it on this show several times. And you know, here I am on multiple platforms. Uh, feel like I'm podcasting all the time now, but no, I enjoy it. Whether it's on this one or another one, I, I love it. And uh, I love uh, bringing our thoughts and collecting
0: them and put them together and, and present them to you. I mean, it's it's a blast. It is, and uh, hopefully uh, tomorrow's episode will be a blast, because I guess by the time you guys listen to this, it will be today's, tonight's episode following Kentucky's game against Mississippi State in Starkville. It's going to be one heck of a time. Hopefully we have good news to bring. Hopefully, I, I you guys know me. You guys know that I want to talk positively about this team so bad and I will it, look. Give me one game. Give me one reason to be that irrational, optimistic, sunshine pumping. You know, they Homer. I'm telling them they're going to the final four. I'm telling I'm you. Kidding. Well, let's no, not I'm go joking. that far. Let's not go that far. But you guys know me. It's you, a start. You guys know that's who I am. How you know that's 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 all I want to do. I, I'm desperate for it. And I will. And our we and will. our neighbors here we in the hotel
1: may. probably know it too. Jay. And that's fine because where it's at midnight and we're screaming.
0: That's fine. You know, it's it's 12:31 our time right now. So 1:31. Uh, Eastern time. We're, we're in Central time right now. So yeah, you know what? We probably are, but we gotta we gotta do we gotta do this for the fans. So it's let, for the fans. So since we've done this, let's make a prediction for
1: tomorrow for the game. All right. We need a final score and an
0: MVP. This is our first time we've ever done this. First time we and th- th- we're gonna. Is this well, the source to say pregame show? W- this is the pregame show. Kentucky wins seventy four. And yes, I know they haven't scored over like 65 points in since the Morehead State the game. I, I I I get it. 74, 62, convincing victory. And BJ Boston is my MVP. He's going to go out there. He's going to shut everybody up. This is his moment. BJ Boston MVP. Kentucky wins in convincing fashion. Well, I can't I can't take the same MVP.
1: I don't want to do that. We'll be different. I'll go Kentucky Kentucky 69, Mississippi State 65. Nice. And I'll say MVP – oh, man, that's tough. MVP will be – I'm going to go with a guy off the bench. I'm going to say Jacob Toppin, gives them some good minutes off the
0: bench. Sean, can can I – Earlier today, we had an, an off. We were just talking, shooting the breeze, talking. You had a very big hot take about Jacob Toppin that you said on your own show, I believe. I don't think I'm ready to go that hot again, though. It's all right. I just want I, I just I, I just want you to let the fans know what that hot take was.
1: I've kind of flipped my script. With Jacob Toppin. Now he, I'm, I'm telling, I'm just throwing this out there because you all can hammer me tomorrow if you want to, but I'm gonna say it just in case it does happen. Uh, he may go out and might not perform tomorrow. I mean, it's still a project, right? But what I'm, what I said to Jack earlier, and I think it makes sense. I feel like that Jacob Toppin is one of the most important pieces to this Kentucky basketball program and its development long term. To I, that's why they took him, right? Right. They took him as a project. They didn't think they'd have him eligible this year. The whole message in the spring, even with the transfer, with the with the rule and stuff, was what he's not going to be eligible. And here he is. And here's the other thing about it, Jack. He I don't think Jacob Toppin was playing early in the season because Jacob Toppin was doing stuff in practice to get minutes. I think that Kentucky kind of got desperate that they were trying. Cal was literally in a boat that was sinking with water popping up everywhere, and he was trying to plug anything he could. Just to just to keep the boat yeah. from sinking. What has happened, in my opinion, and I don't want this to sound crazy. I, I mean, we'd all much rather Kentucky be six and one, but I think one of the biggest things that's happened, Jack, is Kentucky struggles has forced Cal to play guys that I don't think would be playing right now if Kentucky was six and one. Toppin would be a a Lance Ware. Yeah, Topping. I think the you could even well when Fletcher was playing more, I think you could have threw you know thrown Fletcher in there, but. I think that's a big thing for this program because what's the one thing that's happened to guys that we expect to be multiple-year guys? They they kind of get frustrated. They don't see their place in the program, and they go elsewhere. The, they need to continue playing minutes is what I'm going to say because right now who who sh- there's only one guy I think on this team right now could even come out and say they're not happy, and that would be Dante Allen just because he hasn't yeah. had an opportunity. Everyone else should be perfectly fine. They've played. Devin Askew, through his struggles, played a ton of minutes. Uh, a ton, like, the most minutes, yeah, it, and that's the thing. I think that if you tell Kentucky fans that they're struggling, but there's a payoff, and let's say they do get it right this season, and let's let's not say that they go the final four. Let's say they get right, they make a run to the Sweet Sixteen, or they make a run to the the, the second round, or something. But eighty five to ninety percent of this roster comes back next year. I think Kentucky fans would take it because then there would be something that they could see development. That's the the group that I want you to pay the most attention to. We mentioned B. J. Boston, Olivia Sarr, All these guys. Look at what Lance Ware, Jacob Toppin, Devin ask you, pay attention to how Cal is treating them as far as minutes and situations and it might tell you some things. I just I think that Jacob Toppin's a very important piece because I think his potential in the ceiling, I think it's high. You're seeing it now. Yeah. Now I mean you did me and you did talk earlier about some of the turnaround jumpers that he shoots and stuff like that. That that those shots they're not high percentage, but his We were talking skills, about that luck category with him Exactly. <laughs> his skill set, though, and the other thing that I've noticed about him, he fights. He fights like for hell. every Absolutely. rebound. And right now, there's two things that get you on the floor at Kentucky in this season. It is making shots, and it's fighting. And right now, if you're doing one of those two, you're playing. If you're doing two of those things, you're playing a lot. And don't be surprised if foul trouble rears its head tomorrow, which we know it. I'd put it at 80%. Kentucky's going to get in foul trouble in the interior. I agree. Jacob Toppin's going to play a ton of minutes. Does he perform? I'm not saying he's going to go out and score 10 to 12 points. Does he Is he able to give them 15 minutes tomorrow and rebound and then hit a couple of shots and just defend his position? Uh, that's why I'll go Jacob Toppin as my MVP.
0: And what's so funny is Jacob Toppin was a guy that came into this year saying, I am red-shirting because I am not ready. By his uh, – uh, He chose to redshirt going into this year before he knew that the NCAA was going to be lenient with his, you know, transfer process and the immediate, you know, immediate eligibility rule. He went into this going, I, I'm not ready for Kentucky yet, but at some point I will be in the future. He has already kind of gotten, and I asked Cal this. Um, You know, because we we had talked to people behind the scenes. Um, One person in particular, what what was so funny, I said this on the show before, the day before Jacob Toppin received his immediate eligibility waiver, somebody told me, look, Jacob might be the 11th man on the roster. He might be the last person off the bench, but he does not need a year to sit out. I promise you. They said, I I promise you, I don't know what you're looking for. I don't know what type of production he's going to give you but he's a guy that does not need to sit out this year and develop his body, develop his game, because he's he can at least give you something. And I think, as we've seen so far, look what he did against Louisville. Look look at how, you know, that Kansas game, where UK n- desperately needed some scoring run, and it was Jacob Toppin, of all people, to give them that. We've talked about
1: moments and how a lot of these guys, Isaiah Jackson's had moments where he's just absolutely. You. But not many guys on this roster have had moments where you can kind of recall and say, wow, Jacob Toppin's had a few. Because yeah. when it comes, what it comes down to me, Jack, before we wrap up here, is there's been guys that have outperformed our expectations and there's been guys that have underperformed our expectations. Davion Mintz outperformed his outperformed. expectations double. I knew he was important, but I did not see what he's done to this point. Right. Jacob Toppin is another guy. And honestly, given where we were with Lance Ware three weeks ago, Absolutely. I think he's turning in the right direction. And that's the case. You could make a case right now for what I said a minute ago about who – and I don't want to get into who, who's most important for the program because things, college basketball things that rapidly change. change. That changed by the But I will say this. Jacob Toppin, Devin Askew, Lance Ware, and I'm just going to go ahead and throw Keon Brooks in there because I think we're to the point now – Keon Brooks is going to be at Kentucky next year. I, I just assume, like, well, what are you getting out of it? Right. I, just think I think that's that, fair. I think it's I fair. I just think that you're to the point to where there's there's not there, they're not on NBA draft boards. If they're not at Kentucky, it's because they chose to do something else. Right. But that collective group, you could single-handedly say that each and every one of them is a very important piece to what this program does. And I, I said it on you know Kentucky Daily earlier this week, the biggest thing that Kentucky needs to do to kind of get out of this whole starting over every every single year, it's not to get sophomores in your program. They got to start developing their own juniors and seniors. And I think they have some dudes here that could turn into juniors and seniors at Kentucky and find a and be very successful. Uh, Jacob Toppin, all I mean, he'll be a he'll be a sophomore next year, but would have three years That's college nuts. basketball. experience. Nuts. That is experience is valuable. And these guys are not only – these guys have got a lot of experience this year. Jacob Toppin's played a ton now. Yeah. And I hope that's something that carries over into SEC play because that's been a knock on Cal I think at times is uh, he starts the year playing guys, but then it shrinks to seven. Maybe their struggles has forced him to play some of these other guys. And I, I think you're seeing guys develop.
0: Now they need their stars to develop. And let's hope that happens uh, this this afternoon, I guess by the time you guys listen to this, this afternoon in Starkville against Mississippi State. All right, Sean, we will end our show here. I guess this was our first unofficial pregame show. I mean, I think this was awesome. I thought the show was fantastic. I appreciate you as always. The, the listeners, We I've got so many people reach out to me and say, Sean, you've been fantastic. Uh, absolutely welcomed addition to this show. So thank you so much. We We love having you. This has been a, a great time. Wouldn't have it any other way. Where can fans find your work? You can find my work at GoBigBlueCountry.com and on
1: Twitter at GBBCountry. And Jack, too, we'll be there for the women's game on Sunday.
0: Heck yeah, why, why the hell not? <laughs> we're, we're here. Let, let's do it. You can find me on Twitter at JackPilgrimKSR. Reach out to me via email, pilgrim at KentuckySportsRadio.com. I've had several people reach out uh, through my email and just kind of vented to me. I, I, I sent Sean a couple of those emails. and we, We're reading them. We're, we're enjoying them. We're, we're enjoying the banter back and forth. Thank you guys so much for listening. You guys are the best. Thank you for pushing our numbers up more and more. Give us five-star reviews. Keep, keep, you know, keep, keep pushing us up that ladder because happy we. Happy New Year too. And, and happy New Year. Look, I hope you guys had a fantastic Christmas. Hope you guys have a, a fantastic holiday. We got through 2020 together. We're off to we're we're off to the races with 2021. It's gonna be a great year. Uh, we're you know this this show's not going anywhere. We're just we're just getting started. Uh, in the wise words of Mark Stoops, we're just getting started, bro. So we we are absolutely thrilled about it. Things are going great, and we thank each and every one of you. With that, we will be back after Kentucky's hopefully win against Mississippi State. Hopefully, hopefully, fingers crossed. On on Saturday afternoon, we'll have a post game show as we usually do to break things down. Um, We appreciate each and every one of you. We will be back.